This podcast is a production of Digital and Creative Media Works. To help support us, head to dcm.works to find links to our other show notes, Patreon, and merch. Hey guys, welcome back to the Alpha Artist Podcast, official podcast of Digital and Creative Media Works. My name is David, DCM Creative Director, Lead Writer, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben. Hi. Hi. What happened just then? Uh, my throat mo- was full of the beer. Full of the beer. Uh, and this week, Ben, because... Blade Runner 2049 is out. 2040. 2042. 2040 something. 2040X. 20, 2046. 20XXX. Triple X. Nighttime, late night with DCM works. Blade Runner, the new one's out uh, in a lot of places, uh, but not in it's Australia. Not yet. So this week we thought we'd watch the original Blade Runner and then come back next week with some fresh analysis. We'll get there, we swear. With both in mind. So this week we are talking about the nuance of Blade Runner. So I want to talk to start with about like how weird this film was. A lot of people know this stuff. I'm going to run through a really quick breakdown of the weird things that happened just around the release of this quick, film. Quick, quick, so weird stuff happened. Ridley Scott's original cut was similar yeah, to the yeah. final cut of the film. Yeah, there's not a lot of talking. There's no narration. Then they tested it with a bunch of people, and the test groups were like, "We don't know what's happening. You got to add narration." <laughs> so Harrison Ford did a very bad job of narrating the film, <laughs> um, and then they put that out in the world. Um, it has a different ending as well. Wait, how does the... We'll get to that in a second. So I, we'll get I, to that in I a saw second. the final cut. We both watched the final cut this week. Yeah. I've seen bits of the cinematic theatrical release. So there was so the that theatrical was the one they release saw in... with, that was with narration. Right. Then there was Ridley Scott's original cut, which kind of leaked as the, that leaked as the director's cut a bit later. And then okay. this is the final cut where he went back and made it into what he would have preferred, right? Yeah. So... The difference there is that the theatrical cut ends differently, and also you get confirmations of different things than you do in the final cut. Which shouldn't have happened. So the final cut is the one that's canon, <laughs> technically. So final cut's canon? Technically, yes. Good, because that's the one From I what we've been led to understand. <sighs> so, well, because... What if, like, like, what if the next one comes along and it's like, oh, guess what? Harrison Ford well, is a narrator. I, th- I, think, I think the people who've seen it have said that they, it basically discounts the theatrical cut and goes with the final cut. Okay, cool. But the details aren't too specific that it's like relevant necessarily. But the, the, the upshot of that is that the theatrical cut ends with Jackard and Rachel. They leave the apartment and then there's like, there's there's like a, a, there's a like a, No, there's like a stock shot of... Um, it's from The Shining. There's a stock shot of like the countryside and they're driving away in a car together. Oh, is that the theatrical? Yeah. <laughs> And they drive and they get away safely. And then That's the so voiceover right. of Deckard says, and I'm qu- quoting almost word for word. I, I watched it the other night. I can't remember exactly, but, but it's, and thank God Rachel didn't have the, the four year death thing that all replicants have. And that's how the film ends. So they ruin the, the, the weird the dark fuck? ending by that. What yeah. the fuck? That's whereas in the one so we watched, bad. Whereas in the one we watched, they, they, they leave the apartment and there's the, the unicorn, the origami unicorn, and then they get into the elevator and it ends. Yeah. And, and we'll talk so about the unicorns later, but it's a dark, weird ending. Harrison Ford is a weird character in this, and also mm. not a very smart one. We'll talk about that as we go, but he's, he's good at his job, but he's seems pretty little, dumb. He seems a little autistic. Not to say that autistic people are dumb, but he does legitimately... Yeah. Well, a he's a little dumb at the very least. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not to conflate the two, but you know what I'm fucking saying. Yeah. So obviously, like a million things have been said about this film. The Nerd Writer has a really good video on the sound design yeah. and how when you listen to this film, it's like this whole other. What well, like it's it? If you take out the dialogue, this film still works, which says two things. One, there's not that much dialogue. One, there's not that much dialogue, and two, the dialogue that's there isn't 
important. isn't especially important to making it feel like a good film. It is important for the plot, but I it mean, doesn't... I yeah, I barely paid attention to the film when I was watching it because I was I was like I was like half watching, half doing other things. Um, and even then, like yeah, the you don't really lose much. It's not like the kind of film where, like you know, a while ago I half watched, as in like half paid attention to uh, the original. Um, uh, Ocean's tw- Eleven. Oh yeah. god, that film is so. The dialogue is so quick. So di- well, the ri- no, like the OG. The, oh, the, oh the my 50s god, the original. One. Oh yeah, Jesus, the one okay. with uh, John, like uh, Frank Sinatra as the lead. Wow, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like that, that like that film was hard to follow if you don't pay attention to the dialogue. Yeah, because it's it's just so quick and hard. And most old films are kind of like that as well. Yeah. Um, but like this film, you, you're able to watch it and just kind of like. You can just kind of chill. You and kind even, of drift into the space. And even if you're like, oh, like, there's so much, like, wh- what have I missed? It's like, it's not like the plot is very difficult to follow. Like, it's just Jack and there's, Kane hunting down some boys. There's a, there's a sensibly, like, three key beats. And, yeah. and they're really easy to follow. And I think for that reason, I like, looked up the Wikipedia after it because I was like, oh, did I miss anything important? And it's like, no. <laughs> That's the Not kind at of all. You got the main points. Yeah. That's the, that's I think the clever thing about this film is that it gives you time to meditate on the other stuff. Like it gives you a lot of films wouldn't do this now because obviously we've we've become used to like Marvel stuff where it's quips a minute and it's it's yeah. it's fast dialogue. Even like you know BVS flailed at their attempts to kind of replicate some of that, and you you're seeing it more and more with like your Power Rangers remakes, um, where they want you know people want films to be like quips and punchy and they want it to be like every scene there's like, something like, exciting you miss it. yeah yeah there's like something new developments constantly yeah. which yeah. is like stories do that naturally but what blade runner does really well is it follows the tenets of storytelling without being like here's a new flashy thing that's exciting it's like all of this stuff in this world has existed for a while and deckard isn't surprised by any of it you know th- th- this will come back to when we talk about the neo-futurism and stuff like that but he's not surprised by any of it so what you focus on is what he focuses on which is the details it's when he's in the you know he's he's in the uh, cop car the first time he's eating his noodles and he's listening to the tapes again or he's watching the tapes yeah. again on a monitor and you're like that's what you focus on and then when he when his attention drifts then you get to look at the city and it's sort of this nice thing where the film asks you to engage with what's happening without demanding like your undying joke attention or your undying like drama attention. <laughs> well, I like, think you know you you brought up the tapes, and I think they're an important feature of this film because it's like essentially for the first half of the film, he's he's constantly re rewatching those tapes. So you get you constantly get snippets of that the opening scene essentially, and it's it's an interesting thing because the opening scene at first. It just kind of happens, and you're like, "That man got shot and went through a wall." <laughs> That's pretty um, full on. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Um, and so after it, you're like, oh, "What? What is this film?" Like you're left just kind of confused. Yeah. And the fact that it, you know, in any other film, like Marvel films, mm-hmm. you're just kind of the film just kind of keeps going. It keeps pace without you, and you're or they, meant to. Or they stop down at least to tell you exactly why what had happened and then move past it immediately yeah and whereas you know and those are the kind of films that like on second watching it's just like oh, okay i kind of understand what's actually happening in this opening shot mm-hmm. but with the tapes is you're actually you're given you're given time to sort of mull over you're, you're given time to mull over the opening scene and which is again for like the first half of the film really the only main bit of action in the film right um you've given time to like mull over it and understand like okay 
replicants they're kind of human kind of not like it's you know later on they don't introduce the test whatever it's called something crump um some german name yeah um they don't introduce the test we're like this is how it works this is how we find reference like no you're, you're given context because you know that You've this guy working. failed the test and shot a guy so you're looking for the similarities of like the shooting it's it's so <laughs> that's and like that that is such a i could hop on this for hours but like it's such a smart thing where what you do is you show you show something in the world that exists, which in this case is the test. Mm. And instead of saying, here's how it works, you say, hey, hey. Here's how you fail it. <laughs> here's, here's what's up. What we're going to do is we're going to show you the outcome of it. And then as we go, you're going to work out what You'll it understand is. understand what it is. And by yeah. the time that you get it explained, then the explanation is more about the characters in the scene than it is about the explanation of the thing, right? Because you already know. By that yeah. point, you've worked out. You're like, oh, of course, it's to test for replicants. And then when Harrison Ford introduces it to the girl, the only thing you're thinking about is... Is she a replicant? Is or, is she he a replicant? Rep- or is he a replicant? Like, what's yeah. this? You know, like, instead of being like, how does the test work? Because it's you've had time to process and work it out yourself. Yeah. And you it's assume like a th- it has something to do with the eyes. Yeah, even it's, though, like, it's it- not like a throwaway explanation of a thing for the sake of it. You actually have to understand it. So by the time you get to that scene, the dramatic tension is there. Like, it's, mm. it's so smart in, in, like, a subtle way. Like, I don't know. That's such a they genius a, thing to do. They did a really odd um, time shift, like, time fast forward edit when when he's testing her because they do that thing where they like fade cut between two what is normally when you fade cut like that you're going between like two points in time or you're you're sort of like drifting in and out of you're you're sort of fast forwarding but you're drifting in and out of bits at regular time yep. but they they cut it in such a way where they did the fade effect but the audio just kind of keeps going kept going and you're like it's really weird you're like what like yeah. what it's it's so disorientating and then by the end of it you're like you're like, what was that? And then the dude's just like, bro, it took you over a hundred questions. You're like, that was a hundred? It's like a like, long time, yeah. Yeah. Even even usually it's not just like a generic like Star Wars fade cut. Like, right. And that, that Yeah, or like a white cut, because that's like a Star Wars <laughs> thing that they kind of have held on to. Uh, but but to me, like that speaks to this level of trust that Ridley Scott had in the people watching it. And you can see why the the studios at the time with the test groups would have said, Oh, we need to add narration. I can see is, why it's this, very cerebral. Well, you, yeah, when you mention when you sort of mentioned the bit with narration, I was just like, oh, okay. And I watched the final cut, forgetting that there was the, the-, the- theatrical cut. <laughs> I was like, what? Theatrical. Um, and yeah, like in hindsight, there are there are a lot of segments of just kind of like not white noise, but ostensibly just background noise. Well, it's it's background noise that is. And th- this this is a good pivot, in, and I don't want to cut you off and ruin your point. But I think that yeah, the the background noise blends so well with the music, and they're mm. one and the same. That it never feels like you're out of the world at any point. Well, even even this the I forget where it is. I think it's the uh, the apartment block that they fight in at the end. Mm-hmm. The the billboard, the like the weird kind of like noise. I don't know words, Chinese words yeah. that the billboard is saying actually turns into notes in the song like he enters the room and it, and it shows the billboard making like again chinese words which yep. and like fairly shrill ones like fairly high pitched and like long yep. like long held and it you're like oh that's jarring and then it it just kind of turns into the music and you're like so weird what like it's it's the one thing like one big thing i noticed i was like 
that's so weird. Like, how do you do that? It's so <laughs> smart and weird. The, the the thing I'd recommend is go watch that Nerd Rider video. I think it's called Listening to Blade Runner. If you search that on YouTube, yeah. it's so interesting the way that they did that and so weird. Like, no one had really done that before. And it, it's, you know, it's it's what Edgar Wright kind of... He, he took the music that he listened to when he was a kid and he brought that style to, you know, the car chase genre, the heist genre. That was like kind of where Baby Driver, that was like, you know, this is ostensibly the incepting roots of those concepts before anyone else had done them. And it's weird and I, I well, love it. It's, this film makes, again, this, is, this film was set in Los Angeles in 2019. So, you know, not long until we have off-world colonies, replicants, two years um yeah you're in a bit um you know, not long um yeah it's so it's so weird to make this ostensibly just i keep saying that word um cyberpunk neo tokyo-esque kind of almost a precursor to firefly and the whole um yeah the china use, the, yeah yeah the, the whole like china took over the world china as the new world language yeah it, it makes this environment seem so alien Right, and what because of sound design primarily? I th- I, th- I, th- I think that's what it is. Like something that um I've talked about before, not on this, but in some of the antagonist stuff that I've done, and then way before that through the glass videos, is one of the big things that makes audio feel like it suits the film it's in is a combination of the audio design with the way that the film is shot. So like the lenses and stuff like that. So if you have like a, a new film. This is why, like, Killjoys, which is sort of like a Firefly spiritual successor kind of thing, doesn't feel right. It's because they shoot it on new lenses, and then they have kind of, like, old-school sound design. It feels really jarring. Yeah. Whereas this, you know, it's all of its time. The lenses and the way it's shot, it feels right, you know. And and, and one, one of the biggest secrets about this film, and one of the best tricks about it, is that... The reason that a lot of it is kind of like dark and dingy and smoky is because they had some budgetary limitations with set design. So to cover that up, they were like big shadows, um, lots of smoke. So it adds to this like atmosphere of you don't really know what you're looking at. And that that's part of why Alien is so good later, you know, that comes after this is a lot of those shots, you don't know what you're looking at because it's dark and it's smoky and it's weird. And you're like, is that an alien or is that a console? Like, what am I looking at? And that that's something that you know, kind of gets lost now in. I need I need to, I need to correct you. Alien, pre Blade Runner. Aliens. Aliens with an S. Yes. Post Blade Runner. Same. So what I'm talking about is the same technique, though. Yeah. I got them the wrong way around. <laughs> but but like same technique, right? Like because you know you you're, you're shooting on these old pieces of equipment. Yeah. It's on a tiny box in 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 your living room, or it's on a giant cinema that's not very good projector. And there are these dark shapes and moving components of the smoke and stuff that make it feel like unsettling and like kind of gives you the sense of the city and then you look at that combined with the the music and the set design and the character design and everyone is used to it being raining all the time it's just this weird like you get that neo-futurism vibe but it's dull and it's kind of like it's 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 a spoiled world it's, you know yeah it's definitely it's definitely got the same aesthetic as the alien films um it's being pre-aliens sequel it it sets it up in a weird transitionary period because the first alien was very much it was just like a it was just like a walking ship and it had it had some weird sets in it like the the weird womb computer um, oh yeah called like mother or something um like that that whole thing was just bonkers and then obviously the ship itself is just like a utility ship and then you had aliens which is generally set in like sort of a military-esque sort of environment it's a comp- so, yeah, yeah comp- so like more bonkers like the ships are all military ships yeah. um but you get Blade Runner, which, like, 
I will forever argue is in the same universe. Um, oh, they they definitely are. There's <laughs> there's there's actually things that carry across. Yeah, the same absolutely one. the same universe. Um, it, it's just like pre. Yeah. No, um, no, no. It's like probably the same time. It's just very far away because they're nowhere near Earth. Yeah. In any of the aliens films. Yeah. True. Possibly. Um, there's a whole can, actually. If you want that, I'm going to reference all YouTube videos. Go to Mr. Yeah. Sunday Movies has a video yeah. about it on his channel. Um, and it's 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 that. You know, so the the car designs, like the police cars, are much more rounded and kind of like streamlined. And yeah. the you know, it's got a lot of like the the big like building wide um, fucking Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah your, your big ads and stuff. So it's definitely sitting in that middle ground where you know they've they've taken the aesthetics of uh, Alien, but then they're just like let's just like splatter it onto a city <laughs> using like simple yeah. techniques. So they're still using like the really well done like uh, sort of model ships and everything to get that. Yeah, um, to get that motion that on feeling. the cars, mm-hmm. um, and it's all just like it's super authentic. And yeah, the the long shadows and the smoke it ju- it means that they're able to kind of just get away with more with less. Like they're able yeah. to they're able to portray more with less. It's the same reason why like the original Silent Hill games are really atmospheric because there's so much fog because the you know the old hardware couldn't physically render stuff. Yeah. In a distance, they're like, we'll just put fog in. Well, it's, it's, it's the mistake of assuming that detail renders quality. Like, yeah. And ultimately what it is, is it's like the silence is where your imagination can do the hard, the hard work and the heavy lifting, right? Mm. One, one, of the, one of the best examples of this that is famous, everyone knows, is in Jaws. You don't really see the shark because the model was unyieldly. Like, it was hard <laughs> the to... Model was it was breaking down all the time. Was a piece of shit. So what they had to do is they had to work around it. And what, what it created was, like, you saw the aftermath, you saw the terror yeah. it created, you saw the reactions, like... And that, that builds this, like, you know, humans are... Uh, machines that are built to mythologize very good at filling the filling yeah. the blanks like yeah. we, we we tend to myth I can't think of which philosopher said that but we tend to myth right like you you mythologize every day of your life to help make stories out of what's happened with the, really it's just random events and you make yeah. stories out of it so when someone says hey I'm telling you this story but listen I, I'm gonna leave some stuff out and you gotta like fill it in your brain goes buck wild you know you, you think about um, your brain's like woo the, the don't first, mind if I do you know you think about the first time you ever saw Alien and Oh, there are scenes me. where people are walking through, you know, dimly lit corridors and there's smoke and stuff moving, and you think and you, every pipe is your entire body becomes this like vice as you sit there and your brain tries to make like it ruins. You know, you know the you. worst part about Alien is that once you when you when you watch it enough, some of those pipes are actually the alien. It's that's they, the worst. Like, that's yeah, and the that's the worst. Thing. Thing. Some, you you re- so like, smart. You realize that some of them are like there are some scenes where it is just in the background it, sitting there. You know, and then you start looking for it. It makes uh, it even worse. So you're like, where else is? Yeah, it? all you need to do is see it once, and then you <laughs> yeah. screw it. But you know that 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 comes back to when you think about these old films, and this I don't know. This is something that I think about a lot with, particularly Blade Runner, and like a lot of Harrison Ford's early work is there is this tendency for these style of films to become, like, classics because their precursors were incredibly, like, successful. Like, Blade Runner is obviously a masterpiece, but you think yeah. about, like, okay, well, what, what else came, bef- like, came after it that is emblematic of this? And obviously you've got, like, Alien, you've got your Firefly, you've got the kinds of stuff that built on this conceptually. You've got... Um, you would argue... Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, was Ghost that, in the Shell definitely. Post, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. I'm not 100 percent if it wasn't around the same time as Cowboy Star, so it might have been the same yeah. era. Um, but to me, there's an element of like you've got these films that are classics for the right reasons, and then you, I'm curious. Like the sequel is apparently amazing. Everyone's saying it's great, but to me, the really cool thing is that 
when you watch this film now, and we watched it this week, it's 2017, and it has, like, it's so robust because it's one director's vision. Like, that's the thing that I was think... Was it one director? For... <clears throat> was well, it one? Yeah, it's really Scott, who was... was... Huh? Who was the second? Uh... <laughs> Because that would have been information out. you should have had in the silo before I opened my goddamn mouth. Yeah, I'm, no, um, I think it is only one. Well, it's, it's, a, it's at least Ridley Scott's concept, right? And it feels yeah. like it's distilled in such a way that, like, whoever was working with him on that brought those things to the forefront of the story. It's 2049, by the way. 2049, so I got it right the first time. It Fuck is just you. Ridley Scott, yeah. Um, yeah I think I was confusing, really... like, some other films that Ridley Scott and someone else have done. Right, yeah. But but that, to <laughs> me, like, speaks volumes of... You can actually make, like, an like old films that people love for nostalgic reasons. They can also just be good films. Because a lot of them, you watch them now, and you're like, this is just not good. Like, the story's not clever. It's not subtle. There's no, like, development of characters. And I think that, like, pivots nicely into what we wanted to talk about a little bit, which is, like, some of the dated concepts in this film. Oh, joy. <clears throat> Did you go. want to kick off our discussion of Harrison Ford and <laughs> his predatory romance and every film he's okay, ever been so in? So, in I've I, I was made aware of this concept through a uh, what a pop culture detective video. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a video called I've written it down. Uh, Harrison Ford and predatory romance and Harrison Ford films. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's <clears throat> it's sort of. I'd, I'd seen that video before I saw Blade Runner. Um, mm-hmm. And he basically... Yeah, like, it paints this idea of the three big Harrison Ford leads. So, Han Solo, uh, this guy, fucking Deckard. Deckard. Um, and Indiana Jones. Yeah. They each have this really bad tendency to just be super predatory towards They just women. kind of force themselves on women. Just kind of force... Yeah, and it's... I mean, you have to... At first, I'm like, all right you got to detach the writer from the actor because um, I think you have to. Sure. Um, so we're, we're, deta- we're detaching Harrison Ford from this. So this isn't him. It's, this not, is, it's not Harry's fault. This is this is a mixture of the time and just writers writing him into his role, which at the time was this character. You know, ever, ever, like post Han Solo, he, he was this character. Yeah. And it it's it's an issue, but we're gonna we're gonna move past it. Uh huh. Um and. Basically, it's this tendency for him, yeah, him to just be super, just really kind of rapey. Just it, really, mm. he, you know, at the when, when it starts and he's like, they're in their apartment, and I'm like, okay, I mean, and I, then I, and then she I, goes I to leave, this. and he just like stops her, and I'm like, oh, this is an old film, I know what's about <laughs> to happen, and he just kind of bunks down with the robot and just kind of forces her so, to do it. I think. So after so having when I saw the video at first, I was like, I was like, that's that's a shame. You know, it sucks that this character, who for a lot of people was a role model, not really us, because we're just we're just a bit too young, just the slightest bit too young for the for like the big Harrison Ford mm-hmm. like effect on us. Um, yeah, we're like ten years too young. <laughs> just, just a little bit, just a smidge. Um, so we like I never really like. You know, I was I wasn't didn't really know who Han Solo was as a kid. So, but yeah, like watching that video was like okay, he's he's doing these things, and it's like you know, from the perspective of the characters, I guess it's what you know. At first, you're like that's what the characters would do. It's still really horrible because it's portrayed in such a such a good light. But it's and he yeah, the video actually makes actually sort of references the Blade Runner scene as being the worst example of, like, of all the Harrison Ford, um, fil- like, films where this kind of thing happens, so uh-huh. Indiana Jones, Star Wars, yep. and this, 
Um, Blade Runner is definitely the worst example. And I, I have to agree because the scene is horrible. Like the, yeah. the scene is so badly done because there's, there's a really, really slight way that there's, there's one way where they can make the scene actually go from what it is, which is really bad to actually somewhat interesting character development, still using rape as a character development tool is bad and you shouldn't do it. But in terms of like, at least being easier to consume, all they had uh-huh. to do was not add the fucking romance music. The, the yeah. romance music is the worst part because like you watch that scene now and if you turn the music off it's very easy to perceive that scene as being purely a demonstration of the flaws of Deckard's character and the way that he views and like replicants he, yeah and it and it you can you can take it and I'm not defending the scene because I think the scene's horrible yeah and it is a it is of the time. It's not trying. It's not actually being progressive. Yeah. Like you don't. Yeah. You can't mistake it with being progressive. Um. But if you take the music out, it you you're able to, especially now, in the times we live in now, you're able to see yeah. that it 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 shifts his character away from being, like, oh, he's he's just trying to be loved to, oh, he's fucked. Like he's actually just fucked yeah. up. And like. On its own, if the scene was edited in such a way where the music didn't swell up and be so romantic, if it stayed at the... Because it does stay dark and dreary. Yeah. Just a little bit. Like, right when he, like, goes up and slams the door on her, the, the music is really, like, dark. And it's like, oh, fuck. Like, Deckard's lost lost the plot. He's gone, gone off his rocker. And then it's like... Yeah, man. fuck off. I think even to the point where, like, you know, there's... Because... There's, you could also, like, reframe the scene as him, like, you know, because he, here's the complicated, here's why it's the worst, right? It's because if it was just a robot and he viewed her as just a robot, then he's basically, like, treating her like, uh, I said toast in our notes, but, like, <laughs> like he's like, he's like yeah. I'm going to fuck a pillow, yeah. right? You're going to, you're going to, yeah. But, but, but because he's acknowledged that she has some memories and she feels like a person... It's doubly worse because he's like, I acknowledge that, but I still treat you like toast because that's how I treat well, women, it, not because that's how I treat replicants. It's, it's triply worse because after this scene happens, there's like about 20 minutes of where the characters are separated for a bit. And when he comes back, he's like, I, I, I think it's when he comes back and she's and he thinks she's dead. I think. I don't think there's an interaction between them mm-hmm. until then. Or maybe, uh, I think uh, she does shoot the the replicant boy that was attacking him, but they don't dwell on it very long. Anyway, the the next main, like, interaction they have is when he thinks she's dead, and, like, she's, like, happy to see him, and she's, like, also in his house, which is, like, why would you go back? He just, like, fuck, like, fucking, like, run, lady! Like, it's, mm. it's a weird thing where, like, yes, you know, if all they'd done is made the slight edit of, like, changing the music, the scene would have actually, like, shifted in portrayal, but the the rest of the film, like, exists. <laughs> yeah. There's this problem where, like, that's why you can't defend it. Because it's it's not just that scene that's the problem. It's that scene and the consequences, which there are none, yep. which are the problem. Like, yep. that's the issue. Just don't, just, like, just don't have it. Yeah. You don't you, need if it. If you didn't have that scene, like, if you take out that literally one minute of footage, like, this film is, it's fine. It, it, you know, they yeah. still have a... You know, maybe don't make them fall in love. Like, you don't have... Well, I don't know. Okay, here's the argument for that. Not... Okay, because really what... (laughs) 
No, because the way that the way that I've heard it, someone justify that to me is okay. that maybe he doesn't really love her. He just knows that if he says that because she's so desperate to feel like a human, she'll go with him. And he'll get some some bones. Yeah, bones. some robot. It doesn't help. Robot puss. Well, apparently, the, the like some of the robots are designed. Some of the replicants are designed for pleasure. Well, that was what she was made for. No, she's in a Pris was a pleasure bot. Right, that's right. The weird Harley Quinn lady. Yeah, I think um, Pris. Or, Pris is right. Or the one working in the strip club. No, Pris is right. Pris, creepy, sexy no, replicant. You didn't. You didn't. You missed. You missed one of the replicants on our notes. Well, I didn't. I didn't. We need the you other put one. Down three of them. Well, I didn't. Yeah, the one that the, dies at the. The one that dies at the what? The like the strip club. I don't fuck. I don't. She was one of the replicants. I don't fucking. Pretty sure she was the pleasure. Sounds right. Maybe not. Either Maybe way, Pris listen. Is the creepy. Yeah. Who anyway. could say without a Google search? But, um. <laughs> I guess to, to, to round off kind of our thoughts on this, um, I want to hit you with the unicorn theory real quick. Yeah. And, oh, we'll, well, and, and the replicant thing. Well, that, that, those, those are the same thing. Oh. So that we'll duck out with okay. that. That'll be the way that we end this. So the idea is the gaff who is the moustache. Well, I mean, let's, let's, I'm going to go ahead and throw that. I think him, I think his identity as being a replicant or not being up in the air is a good thing. Even though I am a big proponent of the ending of the thing being solved. Um, I mean, it is in that... Well, but, like, it's not really a... It's just implied in the final he cut. He is the it's thing. Not, he is. He's the boy. He is the thing. Also, I've yelled so many times about the ending of The Thing, the film, not what we're talking about now, but that's not important. Um, so, the the unicorn thing is that Gaff follows Deckard... He's another cop. He follows Deckard yeah. around the whole time making origami unicorns. And Do you ever see the origami unicorns anywhere else? You yeah, they see it few, at the end. No, they're throughout the film. Okay, I blanked out on yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that's because you were doing other stuff. And there's the unicorn... Like I'm getting to that. Okay. So then Harrison Ford has a dream that where he sees a unicorn, a unicorn running through a forest, but it's not a dream, it's a memory. So the implication is that Gaff knows that Deckard is a replicant and he's leaving these unicorns around to, to remind him of- that he's a replicant. To let him know or to torment him or to make him think maybe he is or isn't. The idea is that in some way Gaff knows something that we don't about the way the world is going. And Gaff is a pretty freaky character. And, and he's trying to like tip off Deckard in some way to the fact that Deckard is a replicant. Well, maybe or maybe he's like trying that, to save him because he doesn't want yeah. to. Because he can't just tell him. Exactly. Because he can't. Because so then he'd have to kill him. Yeah. So, so he has to let Deckard figure it out. So then the implication him. is that Deckard knows that he's a replicant and that's why he's able to lie to Rachel at the end because he doesn't actually have proper emotions and they run away together so that's like a level of complexity to weird this robot sex where they have bot sex which is not really sex, bot it's sex. Just, i said bot sex bot sex. like robot sex <laughs> it's like butt sex but you just but the forget robot. the alphabet you're just a, a robot um yeah. no so that's kind of one of the going theories and i don't know it, it, interesting it's to weak. me that well you didn't want you didn't it's pretty strong it's pretty strong. You shouldn't notice the unicorns. It's pretty weak. It's not weak. It's why? Why else would they have Gaff walk around putting fucking origami unicorns down? Yeah, good point. This was an old film. They didn't do shit like that by accident. <laughs> they weren't like, "Oops, didn't mean to have that happen eight uh, times." Like, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the the purpose of the film and the purpose of any film that has this kind of like uncertainty in the end is like it nine times out of ten it is. Like you are meant to be, it, it is meant to be skewed in favor of the abnormal. Yeah. So, like Inception, yes, it's probably still a dream. Like if it wasn't, it would be boring. Uh, you know, if it wasn't, they wouldn't put that scene in. Um, the thing, yes, he is the thing because if he wasn't, they wouldn't have left that up in the air. Yeah. Yes, he is a replicant because 
it's boring you know the story you know if they if they came like in if in like 30 years or however long since the film came out 30 which, 30 yeah, was but, right you did you fucked yeah you, if if at yeah. some point really scott confirmed or denied which i don't know whether he has um whether Decker can was a replicant if he like you know the, the let's say the film's been out for like a hundred years and we've figured out immortality and <laughs> and really scott is like asked at comic con 800 um yeah because they, they do four of them a year now yeah um asked a comic-con 800 just like is is can you tell us now is he a replicant Deca- and, and ridley scott is like no everyone would be like fuck you that's the worst yeah. answer because the point the like, point people is... want the answer to be yes but well but the uh but it's the, an- the yes the... is the interesting answer. right but well but, uh yes because people are dumb yeah that's that's why, and we've said this a few times on the show. That's why yeah, you audience, don't do what the fans all... want. No, that's, you don't do what the fans want. They don't know what they want. They think they know what they want. They're not. They're not writers. They're not like they. They want more. They think they know what they want. If you do that, you fuck up your show. Well, who knows? Maybe this. Maybe twenty forty nine will confirm. It probably will. He's Let's not. He's probably not though. That's like what. That's the thing. He's probably not. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm fine with that. I'm actually. I'm actually okay with and that. There's a, there's a, there's I think. I think a character being unsure whether they're a fucking robot and they're not is more interesting than someone than a character thinking and no they're, they're, they're a robot and they are they are a robot yeah it's more interesting on one hand it's just like yeah you're right on the other hand it's just like you're wrong and you're having a real existential problem well about it's it. it's also a more interesting question if like ultimately it's the question at the heart of the film which is if you build a replicant that thinks they're human and functions like they're human are they, are they human? human and yeah. that's like the point of the question the point of the question isn't yes or no the point of the question is the is question huh? it, In, yeah no but like the point of the question is the question because yeah. philosophy isn't like built to answer the world's mysteries it's designed to make you think about the way you live your life plus meaning of life there is 42 there isn't one that's the whole point of the question itself yeah. so that being said i think it's time to end the show I was oh. gonna say something dramatic. I couldn't yeah, think of anything. Yeah, no, we just kind of ran out of steam at the end there. I mean, that's very judgmental of our own podcast, Ben. Do you <laughs> have any recommendations this week? Uh, fuck, I did, and then I forgot it. Shit. So you shoot. Um, I've been listening to. There's only one episode out at the time of recording, but I've been listening to. Um, I only listen to the Mountain Goats. It's a new podcast by Joseph Fink, and it's where he interviews huh. the lead singer of the Mountain Goats. He's, it's really interesting. He's the uh, Joseph Fink. He does. He does Night Vale. He writes all this. Oh, uh, but it's I was, it's I was not gonna say. Uh, 99%. No, that's Roman Mars. It's another one. <laughs> that's no, no, no. Uh, but it's just him interviewing the lead singer of the Mountain Goats, and it's super interesting. <laughs> that's really dumb. Like, no, it's really good. Um, um, I've been, li- I've been listening to Post Malone. Yeah, you've been fucking with that. Yeah, and yeah. I was gonna, I was, I was considering seeing. He was, he's coming to Brisbane. I was considering. I was like, I might. I'll see. I'll see what it's like. Uh-huh. I'll, see, I'll give it. A, I'll wait till I get paid. It's sold out in like six minutes. Yeah, Australia will be fucking with that yeah, one. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty man. crazy. Um, um, my only other recommendation is the podcast. I only listen to people. Wait, hang on. What is it? No, that's not. Gone. I got. I was like thinking of the other one. Uh, conversations with people who hate me. They just finished their first run, the first eight episodes, and it's like really interesting it's where this guy who's like a um social justice blogger gets on the phone with people that leave like hate comments and they have like a genuine dialogue it's so weird i, I love have it. A, i've also one last thing i've yeah. been playing heat signature oh which is a game that answers the question what if you could shoot the windows out on a spaceship it's a good question hmm. i answer you get sucked out into space uh, well but... i was gonna say i know it, goes, I, it gets good from there i know because i played the force unleashed um but it's that time of the week ben where can people find us facebook dcm works social twitter at dcm underscore works youtube youtube.com slash dcm works patreon 
Patreon.com slash DCMworks. We're going to be doing soon... We through those pretty quick. Normally you fucking I, dwell on well, half of them. Well, it usually for three takes minutes. me. Well, fuck. Sorry for plugging. Continue. Out. Let me not. Don't sorry let for me, sorry for don't plugging. Let me interrupt though. Sorry for plugging our brand on our <laughs> podcast. You fuck. Um, no. So the Patreon, we're looking at starting a series on Divinity: Original Sin Two. Are we? Uh, yeah, we've yeah, talked we about this. Uh, I, <laughs> see, that wouldn't surprise me. I feel like I forgot. Um, we just have to logistically organize that. So look forward to that. Yep. We also stream on YouTube every Sunday morning. Uh, we we, <laughs> we missed last week because of technical reasons. Yeah. I don't have good enough internet to stream. Otherwise, we do it every week. Yeah. But yep. yeah, we fucked up a little bit on mm. timings and stuff. But we try and stream every Sunday morning. It's usually Papa Gubbers. It's usually Papa Gubbers. We're, we're we got trying some, desperately to find something. We've got else. some other stuff that we might be playing. So keep yeah. an eye out for that. That's with our good friend James. Um, I think that's about it for now as far as plugs go. Um, if you are a patron and you uh, donate more than $3 plus a month, You'll get access to our Patreon-only show, Open to Suggestion. Spooky story where we season. tell each other spooky stories. Um, there will be, at some point on this feed, a trailer for the Interface series. I just haven't Ooh. finished editing it Ooh. yet. It's Ooh. weird. I yeah. Ooh. So keep an eye out for <laughs> that. Uh, big thanks to Yup Kumans, our Patron of the Month. He's actually our current highest patron. Um, Top so th- shit, you so are, th- you're the best. It's Yup, I think. We always say it wrong. But, so thanks for that, Yup. I appreciate the support. And thanks to everyone else that supports us on Patreon. It helps me pay to keep the lights on and for the editing software that we use to make these shows. Shoutouts to Laura, who started listening to these. Hold yeah, on to your um, butts. It gets weirder from here it really on. It gets weirder from here. So thanks for listening, guys. And if you're on the YouTube watching, make sure you leave a comment. We will have a new comment system coming in next week that I've been working on. Uh, where you'll be able to contact us directly to get stuff on the show. So more about that as it comes. That would be great. Ben's finger gunning. Get get your get your memes. Get your on memes us. in. Yep. But as always, I'm at DC on my hate pie. <laughs> I'm at Literal Citrus. And we'll see you guys next week. It was probably a song that reminded me of it, or I'd done an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Writing is definitely an isolating thing. From an yeah. outside perspective, that's weird as It makes fun. us look really um, mental. But that is because of what it kind of said about art. I did. I, that had fun in bits. There were fun bits. We went, and, we went and bought a value pack of straps. Oh my god, from. we did. There is a big lesson here to learn about storytelling. <laughs>